0: W This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with a zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available reclining lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely.
1: Six, seven, eight. It's a non-profit I podcast, baby. Love that Theme song, it's so You didn't good. like it
0: to begin with, and then it got stuck.
1: Well, it's an earwig or earworm. What is it called when, so- when the song is in your head and it just burrows its way in there and you want to kill yourself and then you fall in love with it before you die? What's that called?
0: No, I think you're conflating earwig and earworm. Earwigs are little creatures, like little like pincer claws on their tails, but then you thought your mom would tell you, hey, that can climb in your ear and kill you. And as I say that aloud, why, why the fuck did my mom tell me that? That, that was
1: kind of I'm fucked sitting up. here wondering why, you know, that I, I mean, but parents tell kids all kinds of fucked up, crazy stories, like rock a bye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby. Cradle and all that's fucked up. And we really
0: that- fucked up. It's wait, so funny. what's a, what's a baby doing in a tree like that? In,
1: in and in a cradle, and, and it's windy as fuck, apparently. And they're just like, oh, wow, look at that baby up there in a cradle. I'm going to write a
0: song about this shit.
1: Right. Don't even trip, because if it, when it blows hard enough, that cradle's going to break, and the baby's just going to drop out the tree. It's all good. Don't trip. That's like, horrible. That, that, that was what it,
0: that, that was saying to me as I fell asleep.
1: Yeah, it was saying to most of us as we fell. Actually, it wasn't saying that my grandmother made up a song that she would sing. It was kind of like an old Negro spiritual um, and it, it's this is the song, go to sleepy little baby, mama gone to town and papa gone to Elden to bring the baby some candy back. And she would just sing that over and over and over again. <laughs> And it's my favorite
0: song. <laughs> my dad used to sing Negro Spirituals to me, too. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, he well, wasn't.
1: The one thing we did right, woo was the day we started to fight. Was it like
0: that? Very much like that. Um, okay, that makes
1: sense.
0: Can I tell you one thing that I, I have not done that I would really like to do is just go to black church?
1: You've yeah. never been to black church?
0: I've never been to black church.
1: We gotta go to LA and hit this Baptist church there that I know. I can't think of the name of it, but I'm sure I could probably find out. They have a band that's uh-huh. basically like Prince and the Revolution, but like the church version. And you get there at like 7 a.m. and you leave at like midnight, and you don't even realize you've been there all day because you're in there just like up dancing, shaking and moving, meeting hoes. Like it's amazing.
0: Wait, meeting hoes? Is that meeting what you?
1: Hoes, meeting them hoes. I'm trying to tell you. Hey. Um, so
0: today's episode we've got third decade in the house with with Scott Bennett. Um Scott, that was a
1: terrible transition, by the way. But you know what? Okay, do your thing.
0: No, because if you if you know one thing about black church, then you'll know how holy this group is. Was that good? Was that Oh, no? that that you actually made it worse. If you know anything about church, you'll know that there are worse places to put your money. Um, <laughs> That closer, you're getting so much closer. Okay, take, take three. If you know anything about church, you'll know that we're only three decades away from Armageddon. Nailed it. Nailed it, yeah. Killed it. I have, I have a friend who uh, has told me that Doomsday is, is gonna happen uh, on in next year and in December, and he knows this because he's been reading occult stuff for the last three years because he's torn his, or torn his Achilles tendon uh, two times in the last three years. And all he does is read a cult stuff.
1: So hey, um, no offense, but a uh, little small suggest, uh, dump that friend. You need to stop talking yeah. to that person. They are psychotic and they've lost their shit.
0: Well, and it's- they got no Achilles tendon, so I can just walk away real easy.
1: True. <laughs> Third decade. Tell me about it. Uh, they teach financial
0: literacy to people that, for lack of better terms, aren't financially literate. What's so that? Like me. This? What's this? That is a diploma with a maze in it. This is third decade's logo. You wouldn't know that
1: because you're. I know. it.
0: I know it. But I thought you were asking me what the logo is supposed to. And by diploma, I meant a uh, cat that you graduate with with a maze. No,
1: in don't it. try to clean it up. You're still dumb. Like you're, you're really trying it. Like, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. It what it's saying is that
0: finding your way to financial literacy can be easy, although it may seem like a hat on your head that is a maze.
1: You know, I'm very excited to talk to Scott Bennett, who's actually my friend. Stephen's lying to you guys; mm-hmm. he does not know Stephen at all. It's really weird him. that he's doing that. Um, but I'm so me and Scott have been friends for like 45 years. Um, exactly. Anyway. Our kids grow up together and they're now off to college. Anyway, um, I'm so excited to talk to him because I'm financially a dum-dum. I grew up like super poor. And so financial literacy for me, was like counting Monopoly money because we were like, seriously, we were poor. So we had, we were on food stamps. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if if you're familiar with food stamps, Steven. Um, But we not like now, like how it's cool. Like people have EBT cards. And they just look like regular, uh, like a debit card, right? So no one actually knows you're poor. And you look like super baller when you go like somewhere around the first of the month, you have like two cards filled with shit. And you're just like, yeah, man, put it on this, swipe. And you just like roll out like a boss. No, back in the day when I was a kid, it was like, you'd get like a packet and it would have the, the money in there. And it would be like a $20 bill, a $10 bill, a $5 bill. And you have to rip them out kind of like um like a check. so it had like a perforated edge and you and you'd pull it out and they were multicolored, like not natural colors. So like a twenty dollar bill would be like purple, a ten dollar bill would be green. like it was in ba- like orange, yellow. so they're
0: different dollar amounts. It doesn't like oranges for
1: hamburger. That would be so much worse and hilarious, but no, but it legit looked like Monopoly money, you know, and I grew up in in white suburbia, like in the heart of white suburbia. So all of my close proximity friends, they all had dough and we would go to the, the store to like get candy or whatever, and they'd whip out their fresh crisp green $20 bill and I'm like fuck I got this purple $20 bill they're not this shit's gonna be and white people you know Steven y'all are are irritating and nosy as fuck so I'm I'm at the thing and I'm like can I get some hubba bubba and then I pull out my purple $20 bill they're like hey Frankie why is your money purple and I'm like well okay first off you may not know this my family's so super rich but um we're like partnering with parker brothers and <laughs> take all of our regular poor people green money and we've exchanged it for monopoly money so yes i'd like that hubba bubba and then uh, <laughs> a hotel on park place this is literally my <laughs> life growing up
0: <laughs> wait i'm sorry but in defense of the whites Um, If you were to pay with a purple dollar bill, when I paid for a green dollar bill that I have come to know as the currency of the United States, I would probably ask a question not out of whiteness, but out of genuine curiosity for why your money looks like that of Zimbabwe's.
1: I think uh, the word you're looking for is caucasity. And yes, you are absolutely right. A hundred percent. That's very true. But then contrast to today, like my daughter, she, you know, she's smart as fuck. And in her school, she literally like third grade, I want to say it was in third grade, she took a financial or since third grade, she's been taking financial literacy classes. And she was in private school and like literally her own bank account. And she came home with this whole packet and she's talking to me. She's like, mother, are you familiar with the Dow Jones? And I'm like yeah, he's one of my favorite political commentators. She's like, no, bitch, not Van Jones. I said the Dow, you know, so. <laughs> Wait, so, so that's like uh, taught in school now? In her, in school, she's been able to matriculate at, yes. She's been fortunate enough to go to schools that do that. Um, but we also live in an in, in upscale uh, um, school districts. You know what I mean? And so, and that's another thing that's so drastically different. Um, like when she started high school, I got an email like two months before school started. Hey, parents, come by on, on any one of these dates and pick up your kid's new laptop. You know what I mean? And I was like, what? Oh, wow. And they just gave her a laptop that's like hers. You know what I mean? You know what I, I was don't know
0: how start- you're going to teach somebody financial responsibility when you just give them laptops.
1: <laughs> Nigga, you telling me I, I feel the same way. Like, I am. Same thing.
0: I am. I, I can't say how you say no, it. No, don't, don't say no. how I say it. <laughs> yeah. But I am. <laughs>
1: And this the last nonprofits Episode eight, episode done. <laughs> the N-word
0: episode. <laughs>
1: you know what I was doing in third grade? Well, she hmm. was playing financial literacy, I was literally selling porn. I'm not even kidding. I found my brother's porno magazines and I took them to school and I was selling them to the, to the little boys in class. I was also eight years old, calm down. I was <laughs> an adult in third grade. I was eight years old and I came up with the scheme to sell this porn by giving them 10 cents for a peek. 25 cents for a page. I was a motherfucking mogul.
0: Okay. So the weirdest part about
1: that is that people are just carrying dimes around with them. Okay. We were children and we had actual money that we would take to school for lunch. See that Mm. before they had like lunch cards. Like now they have lunch credit cards. Back then you just got a little baggie and your mom or like a plastic bag and your mom would put your $2.50 $2.50 or whatever it was for your lunch for the day. True. But yeah, we had dimes, bitch. And I was out there like 10 cents a peak, 25 a page, 10 cents a peak, 25. But again, white motherfucker snitch. So little, little dude was like, where did you get that porn? Frankie did it right there. She's the only black girl in class. You see her? She's over by her company. She's got 18 stacks of porno magazines, Playboy, Hustler, all kinds.
0: <laughs> I um, When I was in seventh grade, I remember very vividly Uh, my dad was always like traveling, right? And I remember like him on the way out the door for a trip and be like, dad, I started a company. And he was just like, I don't have the time for this right now. I was like, no, I started a company. Like, I should tell you all about it. He's like, save it. I'll be back. Just don't, just tell me later. And so two weeks goes by, he comes back and I've got all this money. And I was like, he's like, where'd you get all the money? He's like, I told you, I started a company. And he's like, okay, what does your company do? He's like, well, I go around to everybody at lunch. And I asked them for quarters and, and then I get all the quarters and then I have all this money. He's like, you're begging for money at school. I was like, no, 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 no You're not hearing me. I'm I've started a business where I take people's quarters and then use them myself. He's like, you're fucking begging for money at school. Like everyone's going to think that, you know, we didn't raise you right all this stuff. And he was so pissed. And all I could think about it, at, at seventh grade. Stephen was just like, so he doesn't even care about my fucking entrepreneurial spirit. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm doing everything I, I can that. to impress you father. And you just seem to not get it. But yeah, I was, uh, I was begging for change uh, at lunch. Hilarious. I got and it, I turned it into lo- like, I invested it. We're talking about investments here. I invested it into lots of pizza pockets and I ate, I ate lots of pizza pockets and I think long-term
1: if return. Okay, I thought you were going to say you invested in the pizza pockets. You heat them up and then sell them at school. That's what I thought. I thought you were No, gonna... no, no.
0: I did not have that that uh, far sightedness.
1: So uh, that's what I did. Once I got suspended for the porn, they didn't take my money. So once I was able to go back to school, I went and bought a bunch of candy, and I became the candy lady at school. Oh wow! I reinvested it and then reflipped and then flipped it again. That's not
0: mm, not even close to my story. My
1: story <laughs> was was one of
0: poverty all the way through. <laughs> I, am honestly, like I've just in the last three months, so, so I started a company in January that was like always a side hustle. Like I was doing fundraising work, but I was always doing it for free. And so January is when we incorporated and that was like event production and fundraising then COVID happened. So that became not a thing. So we're doing like corporate shows as you've done a bunch of them. And it's the first time that I've had any money. Like I, I, for the last, well, at least for the last like two years, I've been strict diet of frozen veggies and rice. Um And so now you'll be happy to hear fresh veggies, no rice.
1: <laughs> enough fresh veggies. I love yeah, enough
0: nice fresh veggies that I don't need the rice as filler to not be hungry. <laughs>
1: And so, not die.
0: <laughs> so yeah so it is this thing though like do you have this that when you don't have money it's very easy to not like to it's it's easy to be broke but then, then when like, you get it you just spend it like fuck it's just this psychological thing that you're just like you think of all the things that you that is like it would be nice i remember i remember like this is kind of sad uh september having the legitimate thought, like, Stephen, you have money now. You can use more olive oil on, <laughs> I, on the food you're cooking. Because I would, like, ration out the olive oil. I'd be like, olive oil is fucking expensive, right? And, and so hilarious. I would just – I remember having that legitimate thought. I was like, you know what? Treat yourself, Stephen. Make it so it won't stick to the pan. Let's fucking go. Can
1: I tell you something that's hilarious? Mm. Uh, I, you are literally speaking to my heart. I earlier today made some sweet potato fries and I used the very last of my olive oil. And that was giving me like anxiety. And I just texted my husband like olive oil. So he was, remember he's going to the store. Yeah, I right. gonna, you know? So I just texted him olive oil. So thank you for saving me. But I know that anxiety, the olive oil anxiety, like you're like, this is good shit. It's expensive. You're like, ah. And then today when I turned that bottle over, I was like, oh my God, that was like $10. I just, that was like $10. Yeah. And then so there's I, I there's the flavor. cheap olive oil.
0: There's like plastic bottle, olive oil, just, and, and then there's the glass olive oil. And then the price disparity between the two is huge. So I have to think plastic bottle is poison and that the yeah, other one is
1: poison. I, I use I both. One, one smells like olives. The other does not like it has a mild, like a very mild hint of olive. And the cheap shit does not like it's like after they press the olives, then whatever they can scrape off of the machinery. That's what's in the, the, the plastic bottles, I believe. I spoke to this
0: guy that his job was at um, incoming ports. He would check olive oil to make sure that it wasn't counterfeit, that it, his only job was he would just smell and taste olive oils to see if it was as extra virgin as advertised. It's and like, no,
1: nah, this olive oil definitely has some dick. Oh, excuse me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and he gave me his business card. And won't you believe it? I never called him because fuck that guy. That's boring. I don't want to talk to you about olive oil. All we talked about was olive oil the whole time. And I was in uh, a networking meeting, and I and we just uh, talked about olive oil. I was like, this is not helping me.
1: He's like Oh no, 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 this olive oil fucks. Yeah, this olive oil definitely fucks.
0: <laughs> could you imagine, okay, A, being at a restaurant with a person that turns bo- turns back a bottle of wine, but B, a person that turns back a
1: bottle of olive oil? I would steal that person's wallet, reverse search their family, find all everyone that's important to them, and murder everybody. I hate that person that yeah. much. You're gonna snip, can I see the cork from that oh. from olive oil? die in a fucking fire. I don't like you. Like that's so no, Mm
0: -mm. I would kill them all by, by putting a bunch of good olive oil at the top of a thing of
1: stairs and making some home alone shit. hundred percent. I'm into it. I'm down. I'm down. If, if your if your olive oil sommelier dies now, we had nothing to do with it. I want to be very clear. Well, I didn't, I'm black, but you know, white people mm -mm. or wait, hold on. Yeah, he's on that side of me.
0: I think it depends on which. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're on the you're on this side. Um, so, so, wait, so, so are you suggesting that black people don't use olive oil? What? Why? Why would? Why would?
1: I was saying, I was saying, if his whole family gets slaughtered, we didn't do it. Just you did. Sure. You did it.
0: Yeah, That's white people fair, are usually right? the ones that kill in cereal. and and black people in usually kill yeah. one at a
1: time. Usually, unless we're spraying up some shit, like if we're spraying up a club, you know what I mean? Like, what? You stepped on my sneaker? I'll be right back. And then we come back with yeah. the Uzi vert, you know what I mean? Like, lo- yo, then, you know, booyaka, booyaka. Like, that might, yeah.
0: I would like to say that all of your shots went up into the air in that act out, and nobody's getting <laughs> killed from that shot.
1: You know what? Kicking the door, ringing the fofo. All they heard was "Frankie, don't hit me, no mo." That's okay. I can't explain it beyond that, Stephen. I don't know. All right. I think I think that we've
0: really set the table for the conversation that we're going to have with with our friend from third decade, Scott Bennett. Um, Jared, whenever you're ready, bring bring Scott on. Bring my friend Scott on. It's your nice. friend, your friend, soon to be Scott mine. And him. <laughs> soon to be mine. Scott Bennett in the house. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Um, Scott, what is the name of the podcast that you have right now? Really,
2: uh that that I have?
0: That's really, true. really
2: unique the third decade podcast. So, we okay, very cool. really so
0: we get that name. Branched out. out
2: used, put our creative minds together and decided <laughs> hey. we're gonna go there. Wait, what is what I is the it.
0: Why I just ask, how
1: long did it take for you guys to come up with that name? Yeah, it took a while. It took a while for the podcast, yeah.
0: Three decades. Three third decades, third yeah. Third decade, yeah. So, Scott, real quick, what does Third Decade do?
2: Yeah, we, we mostly just teach people how to afford expensive olive
0: oil. <laughs> hey. Okay. Um,
2: yeah, but, no, we, we are focused on providing – young adults with financial confidence through education and mentorship. So uh, we feel like the time to teach somebody real financial principles is kind of right when they start their first job. And if we can reach people with moderate means, kind of right as they're starting, your teachers, doctors, nurses, we think it can create a real benefit to the entire community when people are financially competent.
0: So what are the types of people that you're talking to? I know you said young adults, but are they? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Third decade, get this, is actually, uh, we want to reach somebody in their third decade of life. So 20s and 30s studies uh, show if you can start saving and, and actually having a financial plan, your your chances of uh, being financially secure are much, much greater. Doesn't mean you can't if you haven't done it yet, but they're just much, much greater. So we work with young young adults, 18 to 35, really, uh, and our requirements are, so kind of go a little bit out of the third decade, but our requirements are you have to be working full-time. It's a program that's meant for people who are not in school, not in grad school, working full-time. Um, and we have income limits that we set, so below 75000 for an individual and below 120000 for a couple to be in it. Um, And with some ability to save, and that's important to say off the top, it's not the program for somebody who's in financial crisis. If you're wondering about how to keep the lights on, us saying, here's how you save for retirement, can be a little bit discouraging. Um, But yeah, our top demographic is teachers, uh, still the number one. And we think, you know, we were started by uh, uh, our founder built a financial advising firm here in Tucson that kind of grew and is now, Uh, in five different states and he turned around and said hey we've we've worked really well with kind of old rich people um but it's always bugged me that young people don't have access to this type of information and education
1: i
0: love it and so what do you find is the biggest because it is a conversation that you see all the time online like what do you find is the biggest reason why the millennial populate is that is it 2030 that's all millennial or no
2: uh, I think so. So we, 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 yeah, it's we're on the we're on the tail end. I don't know, uh, but th- that is what all the articles seem to be written about,
0: right? It's like,
1: right. also said the millennial generation is the gayest generation in history. That's well, another. Scott
0: thing. Scott can speak to that.
2: <laughs> I did not know it. No, that's okay. another thing I recently uh, read. Didn't know that? Um, no, I think I think there's a ton of factors going into it. I can't boil it down to one. Uh, the fact is, the millennials are way behind in terms of where our parents were in terms of retirement saving. I mean, you can look at any stat given that in terms of homeownership, retirement saving, financial confidence, anything. I mean, stuff has also gotten a lot more expensive and colleges inflated around 5% each year. That's crazy when that yeah. adds up. I mean, the cost of college is somewhere over 400% what it was when our parents went to school. Um, But the fact is, young people are also asking for this information. I mean, you read all the articles about how far behind millennials are, but Charles Schwab did a study of millennials and it was one of the top things millennials said they wanted to learn was financial literacy. Uh, So I don't think it's for lack of want. It's just, and and our founder talks about all the time. He's an old boomer himself. And he says like the difference between our generation, the millennials and his generation is that we want the same things right we want financial security we we want to be able to afford a house but we're not going to do it at any cost we're not going to do it at like the cost of our environment and the cost of you know having a healthy work-life balance and the cost of working a job that we hate i think that's that is a big difference
1: i think too Wouldn't you guys uh, think that it's also cha- the changing of family values you know what i mean like we're not getting married as early as our parents were. We're not having kids as early. We're not having that responsibility as early. So people aren't having kids till their 30s, 40s, even. Janet Jackson just had her first baby at 53, you know, what I mean? or 52, you know what I mean? So I think the timeline has significantly shifted. So the things that you would be doing in your 30s, like back then, 35, 30, you know, to 40, you're sending your kids to college, but now you're probably just having your first kid. So those financial issues aren't even really a thought. You're still kind of carefree going to brunch on Sunday, and making bad decisions on Monday. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that that probably also contributes. Very, very true. Yeah, and
2: also, like, the the overall structure of, of work to pension plans used to be a thing that, like, every big private company offered. Now you're only right. going to find them in government jobs. Mm-hmm. And so whereas a company was doing some of the work for you, basically forcing you to save for retirement,
0: those are gone. Um, not. And why, why is that just – it wasn't mandatory. So companies just cut that as one of their expensive,
2: they're expensive. And so basically the a, a big difference is like, when you have a 401k that's yours and you're managing it and you're kind of taking on the risk. If the market drops, your pots dropping. Right. But it, with a pension plan, that's the company's risk. If the market drops, the company's whole pot is dropping and they're still having to write out those checks that they signed. A while ago, oh, right? damn. So, yeah, I say it so right. it's kind of twofold. Uh, whereas as now, it's it's really you know it, like you said, it's not mandatory, and it became so you know nobody's demanding them anymore. Um,
0: as well. So when you have somebody that say thirty one and mm-hmm. a comedian that is not doing great, um, yeah. I, he's I been
1: talking about himself. Uh,
0: so so obviously the first thing that you tell them is invest in Bitcoin. And then then what, what would be the close second that like, what is like, what is one that you're just like the most common thing that you're telling you, you are repeatedly telling people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, well yourself, like you, you have some income, right. And, and, um, so you can opening up a Roth IRA is, is I, I, every young person should know the power of Roth money. Um, and that is that when you put money into that, it grows tax-free for the rest. And there, there really is nothing else like that. There are like some health savings accounts and some education accounts, but Roth IRAs allow your money to grow tax-free until you're ready to use it for retirement, which is, is great because you've already been taxed that money. It's a little bit, and, and for young people, it's kind of like the holy grail of saving. Um, but our, our philosophy is super passive. I mean, we believe, and we don't just believe that the data points it to us, that nobody can can beat the market consistently. So I would tell a young person, invest, get a Roth IRA, and invest it in a low-cost index fund uh, that you're going to have world exposure. You know, Vanguard does a great job of that. They They really created the index fund, and you can go out and buy a cheap Vanguard index fund and – outbeat all the stock pickers 99% of the time. You
0: need, you need a minimum, uh, don't you need a, a minimum amount to start an account like that or no? So
2: it, it, you don't need it to start the account, but um, so, so Vanguard, for example, they're like their world allocated fund is like $3,000 that you would need. Now there are other ones that aren't Vanguard that aren't. Vanguard also has ETFs. That's a little bit in the weeds, but uh, exchange traded funds, you don't have a minimum. You basically your minimum is one share price. Same same thing as a mutual fund. So um, no, it, it's definitely possible to do it even if you don't have that three thousand off the
1: bat. So um, who is Vanguard? Vanguard is it's it's a it's really
2: a custodian. So so Vanguard kind of started the index fund, um, mm-hmm. and they offer funds um, which are which basically somebody Vanguard the company takes. And they say, it would be impossible for you or I to go out and like buy one, a little piece of each company to replicate the world market. Even though that's what the data tells us is the most efficient way to invest um, and, and really the only way to consistently get good returns over a long period. Vanguard says, we're going to go and do that. We're going to put them in. We're not going to have somebody actively pick and choose. We're just going to let the market dictate which ones uh, fit, into, fit into our plan. So when you buy... a a piece of a world-allocated fund you basically own a tiny little piece of every company that's openly traded. Oh,
1: gotcha. Question, Scott. Okay, look, I've seen Wolf on Wall Street, okay? (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, she's she's seen it a lot. I mean, mainly because I love Leonardo DiCaprio, but whatever. You know, Um, that's the movie that uh, one actor
0: cusses the most of any movie ever. Jonah Hill says the word fuck, Hundred and thirty-seven times.
1: Um, so, shout out to Hill, who I love deep in my heart. But here's my question for you, Scott. Sure. What are penny stocks? Is that a real thing? Can we still? Is that something that? Is that a good idea? Is it a bad idea? <laughs> what is that? Uh, no. I mean,
2: I, I wouldn't say that they're a good idea. Penny stocks are basically you are investing in super small, high risk companies um, no, that, no. that aren't even like on on open exchanges. So. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're, you're basically somebody is in their basement saying, "Hey, here's this new business idea. Who wants to invest?" And you, you own eighty percent of my company because my company is only worth ten dollars.
1: But so that's super money. risky. But it could be like a Google situation. There you go. Like you can you invest. Like, in you know what? I'm going to put my five thou over here, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm a billionaire." You Blew up. You blew up. Uh, no, Scott. How already. how are you
0: going to take Frankie's five thou? And turn you her into a billionaire. It.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, I'm. I'm not. <laughs> you're <better. laughs> uh, yeah, you're. You're better served to to do that somewhere else. I'm. I'm definitely not the person who's good at that. It's so much harder than me.
0: So I. Know, so we've talked about like the types of people that you're working with. Do you have yeah. any like stories of like specific families that you all have worked with?
2: Yeah. I mean, we we hear. I and this isn't just. So we're a relatively new nonprofit, and we were just started. Like. Our founder, Bob, went out and said, hey, how do I affect change in in financial literacy? Everybody talked about how terrible it is. What do we do? So we started off in high schools, colleges. We kind of found our niche here, which I think young people need it, period. From Frankie, as you said earlier, daughter in third grade, that's amazing. There are principles that need to be taught. We're talking about life insurance and income taxes and 401ks, stuff that when when we were going to high school and college classes, kids were rolling their heads back or the eyes in the back of their head. Right? It's boring. Um, but when yeah. you guys, anybody that's it,
0: listening, Scott's married. Okay, so stop, yeah. stop getting all wet for him. Continue.
2: Uh oh. Um, when you actually need to do it, that's that's when we want to talk to you. So you know, I, I actually just got an email from one of our mentors. So we we have financial mentors that help people not only like to help them do it themselves. We don't manage any money. We're not setting up accounts. We want to tell you how to do that so they look at your situation. But she worked with a participant who is a manager of a local hardware uh, store chain here. There's three little hardware stores here in Tucson, Arizona. She's a manager. She was able to, after going through the third decade, learning about 401ks and, and the different ways, she went and approached her manager and said, hey, you need to be offering this to your employees, and here's why. Oh, wow. He did. He turned around and now a hundred employees and, and he's, he's offering a 4% match no matter how many hours you work and things like that. So it's really that, that, that kind of rolling ripple effect of, of just a community of people who understand finances and are financially confident. We think everybody wins. Like who's, who's intimidated by that besides people selling annuities and things like that. <laughs>
1: That's fantastic. That's amazing. That's a huge yeah. impact because a lot of, I used to work in corporate America and talent acquisition. So I was always partnered very closely with HR and companies are quick to cut things like that. Um, healthcare insurance, you know, they're very quick to cut things like that. I remember when I started working, um, every job I had was like, they would cover your insurance a hundred percent. You know what I mean? And now like you get kicked in the dick with insurance with companies. Right. So. Things like that really make a difference and it really matters. That's huge.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's that ripple effect. I mean, we talk about it in our classes and what we're doing. Like, if you, it's kind of like the first generation college student, right? We know the impact that that has. But think about the impact that the first financially confident and financially secure person in your family or in your community has as well. That, that creates it. People are going to ask you for advice, people are going to talk to you, and, and you're able to, to pay that forward as well.
1: Do you still work with school, with schools?
2: So we, we do some things and there's, we found that there's just, there's other nonprofits doing a much better job than us. We kind of found our niche and uh, we actually partner with a couple of them. Next Gen Personal Finance is a, is a nonprofit that's like out of this world in terms of the work they're doing there. They're not only working with, you know, uh, actively affecting and in the school districts they are actually like uh Saying, "Hey, Congress, here's here's what we need to do. This should be a requirement, and things like that." And they have unreal curriculum and stuff, and um, and so we we mostly say we would love to talk to any high schooler, but our message again isn't isn't going to do it. We want to talk to their teacher. That's who we want to talk to at third degree. We've worked with enough, even the teachers in Arizona. It's it's mandatory that they they teach some economics and personal finance. We did a partnership with a nonprofit here, working with high school teachers who teach strictly that stuff and finding that they don't know how to manage their own money um, and they're not financially confident. So, so what does that mean when they're talking to to our right. own people as well? Because they don't make any money, right?
1: So why doesn't that, what, what you do, can you help me understand, break it down just a little bit, why sure. teachers are a better demo for you than, uh, you know, maybe high school kids or kids even younger.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the information that we're teaching, it's really, we want somebody. we want to teach it and then have somebody go out and apply it. That is applicable to their life right now. So right we're, now. we're not, we're not having anybody come out and like twisting anybody's arm and being our program. I think that's one reason we've seen so much success. It's like people are, are searching us out and saying, Hey, I, I'm ready to learn about this stuff now. So, you know, we're, we're going to talk about investing for retirement and budgeting, and saving, and life insurance, and health insurance, stuff that like a high school student, yeah, they should they should know the basics, but we want to get into the specifics of, okay, what does your employer offer, and how do you take advantage of that, or what do you, you just had kids, you need to have some term life insurance to make sure if something happens to you, you're okay, don't get sucked into this whole life plan that you're going to be paying for your whole life. Um, things like that little mistakes that in the financial services world you see people make all the time we want to stop those mistakes before they happen and we think that's gonna have a huge effect on the community
1: you guys should do some partnership with like the NBA and the NFL and those guys that are coming fresh out of college and getting in you should start teaching some of those guys financial literacy because a lot of them get effed in their A's with no L when they start getting those big fat paychecks oh for sure for sure Yes, F in their A's with no L. Stephen's having a hard time picking that one up. L was lube. I'm already yeah.
0: I'm trying to pick up IRAs and 401ks, but I got to remember L is for lube as well. That's... L is for lube, yeah.
1: Okay. L is for lube. Yeah, you're but, sure, that. that would be a, a dope ass
2: partnership. It is. It, and it's huge. We actually, um, one of our, our board members actually, who uh, is an ex NFL punter, and he's, he's done quite a lot of that. He actually wrote uh, uh, an article for ESPN on it. And uh, we actually have a blog post plugging our, 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 uh, our podcast. Sorry, we have a podcast with him talking about that, that very issue, kind of how, how we do that. So,
1: yeah. This yeah. is not just for being big, Scott. I told yeah. you this when we were back in yeah. elementary school. It's not just for being big, it's also for being beautiful and smart. Okay. There you go. All right. You, go. I,
0: you didn't know that we'd be teaching you so much, did you, Scott?
1: No, I did. Oh, I and, should
0: not know. Um, so, what, like, what percentage of people don't have retirement funds? Man, it's
2: um, for millennials. I, I just read this. Stat, it's around 50% of millennials have nothing saved for retirement. And that number gets worse uh, when you have uh, people of color um, as well. So it's, it's, it's like pretty bleak, right? Cause millennials, they, that jumps all the way into the forties. Um, and, and, you know, I, when when I was on, before I became the executive director of the third decade, I was at the TCI Foundation um, that worked with kind of everybody, not just this strict group, and there's nothing worse than sitting across the table from a 60, 65-year-old and saying, hey, yeah, you're you're never going to be able to retire.
1: Like, you're oh going to
2: have to work forever. That's a terrible conversation to have. I'd much rather sit across from a 25-year-old and say, hey, yeah, you got $150,000 in student debt. You're you have credit cards all over the place. However, let's, let's look at some ways to address that. Let's actually do it because you have the time. That's why we, we know that, why we settled on, on the third decade, because you have the time to make a change, and you you have, no matter what you do, that time is gonna is gonna kind of take over. We say you have more of that than Warren Buffett.
1: I gotta get rich and famous right fucking now because if I if someone ever sits in my face and says, "Ooh, Frankie, um, hate to break this to you, but you're gonna have to work till you die." What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> no. But right yeah. now, that's where I'm at. But yeah, I gotta make this book gotta sell. Okay. And so,
0: what do you what do you tell to our listeners that have a bunch of different credit cards? Is like, is there yeah, a way to I, I, get rid of?
2: No, it's not. It's not so much to get rid of them. I mean, it is. It is being honest with yourself. If getting rid of them is the only thing that's gonna do it for you, you gotta do it um, because you're. It's. It's never gonna get better. One thing that we see is is for whatever reason, financial literacy and personal finance is not talked about, and it's a taboo in this country, and people are super embarrassed by it, even though pretty much everybody is dealing with it at the same time. So be open about it, be upfront about it and tackle it head on. If there's one thing, it's never going to get better if you bury your head in the sand. Too.
0: Sure. So,
2: yeah. I mean, and I've seen some people, I'm not the best budgeter. I mean, we have mentors and stuff who are much, much better than I am. It's not something I excel at. And I, I, got just, hate your life. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate it. I hate doing it, but I've seen some people do some pretty impressive and powerful things. If they just kind of make that switch and like, Hey, I'm done. I'm done with this type of spending, um, kind of living within my means type of thing. Even though it can be really tough.
0: And a lot of the stuff that uh, Frankie and I are talking about next week, we got the show with Lululemon, shout it out.
1: Um, oh, wait, John, Look at this. Bam. Lululemon.
0: Um, but a lot of that conversation we're talking about is like realistic health standards and diets and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of it is the same sort of the brain that you're using in connect and controlling spending is very similar to controlling your eating patterns and habits and stuff like that. Do you give advice as to how is it a thing of just straight willpower or do you usually oh, 100%. Uh, recommend some sort of tools to maintain budgets?
2: Right there. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's like, I think the food example is a great one. Like sure. Anybody can say it, it's just willpower, but it's not. Um, yeah, there's a few things. So if you're, if you find yourself and you're like, Hey, I want to pay off debt. Most people and most like the back of the book, right. Mathematically answer is to say, start with the highest interest you have. So you have a credit card that you're paying 27% interest on. You have another one that you're paying, you know, 18% interest. And then you have some student loans. Start with the highest interest first and pay that one off and then go to the next one. And that's what, that's what, you know, again, that's a right math answer. If you actually do that, you're gonna, um, you're gonna save more money in the long term, right? Cause you're paying off that high interest first. However, that's not how our brains are wired. Like, we as humans need need some, some affirmation and to see some success. So if you're starting with the highest interest one, you know, you're probably going to take longer to pay off those cards. So actually flipping it and saying, start with the lowest balance, whatever that is. I don't care what your interest is. Start with the lowest balance you have of any debt that you have and work to pay that off. So pay the minimums on everything, mm-hmm. right? Whatever minimum you, you have to keep up with your credit cards, pay the minimums. And then turn around and and pay more towards, if you can, pay more towards that low balance card or that low balance, whatever that that debt is. And once you're done with that, you get that gratification, you get that, and you can roll now that payment into the next one. It's actually called the snowball method. It's widely known. Nothing we teach is like, hey, this this is groundbreaking stuff. It's not that at all. But it is kind of rewiring how we think about it um, and doing that. And then also, you know, um, it's it's finding what works for you. There are a million budgeting apps out there. Don't pay for all of them, but try all of them and try different tracking. And budgeting isn't just tracking your expenses. Really it's a seven-day
1: free trial on those apps. And just what you do, you immediately go into your subscriptions and cancel it as soon as you get it. And that and it'll give it to you for that whole seven days. And then you don't even need to think about it. You don't get charged for it. That's, that's such a fun one.
0: But don't you have to just keep giving all your financial data to just a bunch of
1: random... No, it's in your phone. If you get an app on your phone, your card and everything is already attached to your Apple account. If you have, app, if you have an app, this is such a, some white bitch shit. Okay, look, I'm sorry. Um, so <laughs> I'm just saying for those of you that have an Apple phone who are habitual subscription over subscribers and you do the seven-day trial and then you forget, here's what you do. Download the app, click on yes for the seven-day <laughs> trial, immediately go out of the app go into your subscriptions and cancel it. You'll keep it for the whole seven days. And if you don't like it, it'll automatically stop and you won't get charged in your card. But if you do like oh, yeah. it, you can reactivate it. What? I like that. I, yeah, I, I, really just, I, yeah, I get you. all the apps and I do all of the trials and I would always get $500 from Apple. What the? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. That's actually correct. Yeah, so I, I got out of that very quick.
0: I, I just started using Mint. Um, mints the budgeting app, Frankie. It's like um, you have to like put all your financial information in, bank account and stuff like that. But then like, well, it's funny because it, it you, you say what your income is and then you say what your financial goals are and then they tell you, you're not going to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I was just like, I want to buy a $2 million brownstone in Brooklyn and I'm living off unemployment. They're like, okay, well, reevaluate your your goals (laughs) because you're fucking not gonna do that
1: hilarious
0: um yeah that's kind of been my the new year's shit is i'm just trying to keep because i'm good at keeping a budget when i have no money right like my credit cards are pretty much all the way rid of or gotten rid of but now that there's like some money coming in i was just like how many throw rugs do I need? Like, yeah, I, you know, just like arbitrary shit. Like, I just got, I just got this Bolton board, fifty-five bucks. I got the good Bolton board because yeah, I thought the trash Bolton board. Why would I want the shitty Bolton board? And and then once I made that purchase, I was like, you know, the shitty Bolton board's probably fine. It was perfectly fine. Probably just good fine.
2: So you haven't, I mean, I've known you for a while. You've never listened to a thing I've said, so, but I'm going to say this anyway. Uh, and, and this is, I mean, when, when thinking about budgeting, this is the, your problem is exactly what people get into. Don't get caught up if, if you're not like a buy the, and I know you, you're not a buy the penny type of person. You're not going to track everything perfectly. either. am I. Some people are, that's great. But just set goals, set financial goals for yourself. And then don't care what you spend everything else on save first. So say, okay, I want, I need to get my emergency account. I want to save a hundred bucks a month towards my emergency account and like make that be your goal. Do it right. When you get paid, make that a non-negotiable, then you don't care what you spend everything else on like set your goals first, pay yourself first. And then, and then you're not having to track and, and do that kind of guilt cycle that we all do.
1: That's so smart. Hey, Scott, How can our people watching get in touch with you? How can they volunteer? How can they help? How can they donate? What's the whole deal?
2: Good question. So our our website, thirddecade.org, we're currently limited to only a few cities. So we're in Tucson, Phoenix, uh, Tucson, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, and Flagstaff, Arizona, and then Reno um, and Denver. And uh, so if you're in those cities, go to our website. and, And if you fit the third decade, sign up. I always tell people we have long wait lists lot an application. Um, and, you know, that's it. But if um we are coming to other cities, or there's, there's plans to be in LA, Austin, and Charlotte in this year um through some partnerships. So so keep an eye out for that. But go to our website. We have our blog on there with a lot of information as well as a not as good podcast, I have to admit. <laughs> not nearly as fun. But uh that as well, and and uh my information's on there, so anybody can reach out to me with anything here. Um we, we, in terms of volunteers, we're always looking for financial mentors. Uh, we have our own certification process and stuff to go through that. Um, and just spread the word. I think and the more people are talking about this, the better.
1: That's fantastic. We love what you do. Thank, Thank you, you. so very you. much. Oh, my gosh. Shut your face. We've been friends for so long. It's That's true.
0: And it, Scott, it's very nice to meet you. Very nice <laughs> to meet
1: you.
0: Friend of Frankie's is a friend of mine.
1: This was fantastic. Thank you so much, Scott. um Thank you. yeah. I think our time is up, but we have to plug our next week's show, Stephen. Oh, right. Yeah, we got to plug it. I'm so excited. The Lulu shirt I'm wearing is from our sponsor for next week. Yeah, that's right. We are big balling, spending cheese. No, we're not, Scott. I'm so sorry. We're not spending cheese. Um, we're
0: saving cheese,
1: we're saving, and we're not eating cheese either. You know why? We are on a diet. No, no dairy. But okay. yeah, so Lulu's sponsoring our, our show next week. And who are we talking to, Stephen?
0: We're talking to Matt James from The Bachelor. Ew, and ew. He is Zarlango from Gather Nutrition. Ew, 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 ew. Um, I have never seen The Bachelor, oh. but I what I've heard is only good. Is is what? only good. Um, I it seems I've been missing out for the last twenty years. I just haven't got around to watching it, but. Uh it's we got like a show next week it's with it's Lulu like Lemon.
1: Super, if you like super hot dude, Steven, that's the place you want to go. It's a super hot dude, and then it's a bunch of ladies trying to let this super hot dude know that they are the most special of the hot ladies, and then these two hot people end up falling in love at the end. That
0: sounds fucking horrible.
1: It's fantastic, uh, and I'm gonna go binge watch it tonight. Okay. Um, but yeah, next
0: next Tuesday at 6:30, we got a show with Lulu Lemon, um, talking to Matt James, talking to Mia, Mia Zerlengo. Uh, we're talking about realistic health standards and diets, and uh, food scarcity, food deserts, and access to food. It's something that I'm very passionate about. Something that uh, that my masters was all in, and and something that I'm excited to dig into with these guys.
1: Uh, this is episode I'm also eight. Very passionate about it, regardless of what Stephen says. Yeah, and, yes, and I'm very excited. And I'm going to actually give some tips on how you and your family can eat healthy on a budget.
0: I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Sometimes, sometimes the white dudes just got to shut up and listen, you know. And, and most of the time, he means. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yo, check it out, six thirty sure. next week. Um, and also, we're raising money for ABC two uh, ABC Tours. Yeah. Uh, next week and yeah we'll see you next week episode 8 non-profits I'm Stephen follow Campbell. us on
1: Instagram follow us on Instagram so you can see the next show and see all of our advertisements it's at nonprofitspod. pod P-O-D at nonprofitsPod. pod make sure you follow us tell your friends next week's gonna be amazing and after that it's, we're just exploding with crazy awesome events so follow us and check everything out I've been Go. Stephen Campbell I'm Frankie French and this is nonprofits. God damn it. Steven, it is you know. nonprofits. Oh, God. We're really nailing this. The, let, let's try to it end. again. Let's try it. Let, ready? One, two, three. And, and this, this is non um, is nonprofits. You know what the show is. Thank you, Scott, so much. Third thank decade. you, Scott. Thank uh, you, Comedy Hub. Mwah. da 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 da